TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to A Changing Attitude, the podcast that drags you kicking and screaming 25 years into the past to see if the Attitude Era was all sunshine and roses like we imagine it is. Um, I am Mags, and unfortunately today the rest of my team uh, uh, are unavailable, what with moving and technical difficulties. Um, But I'm I'm the lucky one, I suppose, because I get the the opportunity to chat with the very first uh, guest here on uh, A Changing Attitude, somebody who's uh, been a massive supporter of uh, not only the podcast that I'm involved in, but so many other people's podcasts has become a, a quickly a shining light in our community here and uh in in the rwc um he's been on quite a few podcasts before and i'm, I'm glad that we're finally able to to sit face to face and have a chat about it so uh please everybody uh welcome uh the famous kent's very own scottish danny danny how are Hello. you sir i'm doing great thanks how are you yeah, not too bad. I'm uh, excited to to finally get to chat with you. I mean, we we talk so much over Twitter and over like the podcast that we we both listen to and and have been involved in. That this has been a, it feels like this has been so long, uh, such a long time coming for you to to be involved in a podcast with me. No, I just want to say thank you to you, Ori and Tana, for um, building this for, for someone like me to come on. This feels really good. Yeah, it's not a problem. I mean, you, um, you've been, like I said, you've been doing the rounds on on podcasts recently. What other podcasts have you uh, have you appeared on uh, before this? Oh, I've appeared on uh, quite a few now. I've appeared on. Uh, Bang yeah, Bang. you're a veteran. You're a veteran in these in these streets. <laughs> I'm still at the Jabroni level at the moment, though. But um, <laughs> I've done uh, Bang Bang podcast and um, with Andy, um, as you've done yourself, and uh, UTD. And I've also done a SJP podcast with Sai, which is uh, yep. which is brilliant. Yeah, my my chain wrestling uh, tag team partner there. Uh, yep. Yeah, you've done <laughs> every every uh, episode that you've been on of other people's shows, I've really enjoyed, and uh, I really like your kind of uh, your take on the wrestling scene. You um, you're not someone who's particularly um, cynical about wrestling. What uh, you tend to find that in the in the wrestling community that everyone uh, it's it's fun to shit on stuff, but you you take a more positive approach, of it and I really appreciate that. Thank you. So uh, you've been drafted in for a, a very special episode. We're uh, uh, one of the big four pay per views. Uh, for context, we're recording this on the the twenty first of uh, November which is ironically the day of Survivor Series 2021. And we're actually going back 25 years to uh, Survivor Series 1996, which was uh, recorded or uh, shown on the 17th of November. So essentially this week, uh, 25 years ago, from Madison Square Garden um, in in New York. Uh, Attendance uh, was apparently a legitimate 19,000 or just shy 18,647. 
Um, if RF were, was here, she'd give you the 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 peacock number. But because we're in the in the UK, we still magically have the uh, the the WWE Network Apple. Although I do hear that Peacock is now in the UK, so the switch is probably coming very very soon. Um, but yeah, we uh, we're essentially at the at the mecca of wrestling, the Madison Square Garden. Um, we have a, a a cool opening package which uh, shows that WWE have been all over uh, New York um, this week, and we start with the commentary team of Vince, uh, Jerry Lawler, and and Jim Ross. There was actually a match that that was on the the pre-show, which I think back then was called the Free for All. Uh, the WWE Network doesn't seem to show that over here in the UK. I wonder if the Peacock one does. Uh, but we got uh, a four on four Survivor Series match with a. Uh, uh, Aldo Mantoya, that wearing his jock strap, teamed up with Bart Gunn, Bob Holler, and uh, the Road Dog to take on Billy Gunn, Bradshaw, Salvatore Sencia, and the Sultan. Uh, the face is winning in just over 10 minutes. But the opening match on, on this card is um, Doug Furness, Phil Lafon, making their debuts, uh, and they're teaming with the, uh, the Godwins, Henry and Phineas, to take on the Bulldog, Owen Hart, Leaf Cassidy, and Marta Ginetta, the new rockers. Um, yeah, 20-minute match. Uh, Danny, let us know what you thought about this. Well, the first thing I thought about this is uh, how how invasive was that um, aisleway where the mm. fans could just grab anyone. They, it reminded me of the uh, 2006 ECW crowd. Do you remember where the uh, aisleway was and anyone could just grab a wrestler or grab, and you could see various, throughout the night of this night, you could see various wrestlers getting pissed off with it. Um, but that's the first thing I caught my eye at first. But in terms of the match, um, I would say, <sighs> how bad was that Hillbilly Jim uh, dub or, or network dub? <laughs> that's the first thing. <laughs> It, it, it's a massive, massive issue. Uh, we mentioned it uh, by the time this drops a couple of weeks ago on, on Chain Wrestling. It's one of the worst things about the network, how they've redubbed a lot of the music. It, it really, really pisses me off. Yep, definitely. But um, And I also thought, uh, how much of a waste was uh, British Bulldog and um, Owen Hart in this match? They just felt totally out of place. I mean, uh, the majority of these wrestlers were jabronis. <laughs> I mean, uh, Phil Lafon and um, and uh, Furnace were were actually really legitimate in Japan. I think they've been drafted in because the um, the the tag scene in the WWF at the time was so heel heavy, uh, and having uh, Brett and Owen as uh, having uh, Bulldog and Owen as heel champions, there was not a lot of uh, really kind of legitimate face tag teams they could they could go against who they hadn't already faced over and over again. So they were drafted into essentially provide a bit of uh, competition uh yeah. but this this match and, and a lot of the, the 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 survivor series matches on the show were just thrown together it was just what four people can we throw in um because there was no real storylines going on between the teams um it, it to the point where i think marty Ginetti was attempting to try and play face where Leaf, his, his tag team partner, was was trying to play heel. Uh, there was a, seemed to be a, a lot of kind of confusion there. Um, but in, in terms of the wrestling, it started for me a bit, uh, a bit, I want to say, lackluster. Um, we know that, that Leaf, uh, Al Snow, and uh, Marty Jannetty can be good wrestlers. 
uh, don't get me wrong, but um, they seem to to not really gel well with uh, with the the Godwins. Uh, we saw a little bit of back and forth uh, with uh, Leaf essentially spitting on. I think it was Phineas. Mm. Um, then um, it, it 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 seemed to really kind of plod towards uh, the first finish. I think uh, Genetti picks up an injury uh, in the match because you see him limping quite a lot. Uh, and he ends up being the first one to be eliminated. So I wonder if that was uh, maybe a, they called an audible uh, because Giannetti, it, it really didn't look like he, he was limping a lot. Um, so he he is eliminated by Henry Godwin. Uh, Owen Hart uh, quickly comes in with that spinning spinning heel kick, which we see quite a few times over this uh, over this pay per view. I think Savio Vega pulls it off a few times as well. Uh, he then eliminates uh, Godwin. Then we get uh, Phineas Godwin uh, nailing a massive close land that uh, sends Owen over the the top rope. Uh, Bulldog comes in, uh, hits the um, the running um, the running um, power slam. He eliminates um, Phineas. Then it calms down a little bit uh, because obviously it's now three on two, and we've got Furnace and Lafonu. Uh, like you said, not the crowd didn't seem to know him. They were kind of went down like a fart in church, I suppose. Um, so take it from here, uh, Danny. Uh, what did you what did you think of uh, uh, this kind of run from Furnace and Lafon to to beat essentially the tag team champions and one of the uh, one of the the, the new rockers? Uh, I I just wasn't impressed with these two. I'm sorry, <laughs> but um, I just uh, I I I had never seen this pay per view uh, before. Um, the only um, match I'd seen is uh, the main event because that was from uh, I think a Shawn Michaels DVD like, about 15 years ago but um, uh, I'd never seen Doug Furness or Phil LaFon and um, no I just wasn't impressed <laughs> really I mean I thought I thought uh, technically they were they were uh, good wrestlers you saw some mm. kind of like yeah. very japanese style uh, hard takedowns and, and things like that. and the the drop kick that um that uh, furnace pulls off i think that's a a really nice looking drop kick um yeah i i, I get your point we did, uh, and the and the crowd seemed to get get the the same kind of mindset as you because they weren't well known and they went over um it it kind of like flattened the crowd a little bit um I suppose if if you knew who they were, you could get behind them a, uh, a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, this was essentially to build a new challenger to uh, to Bulldog and, and Owen. So it would have made no sense for them to not be the survivors. It's just mm. it's it's it seems to be something that we see going up and down this card that the 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 newcomers are the ones that uh, are kind of like standing uh, at the end of the match. Uh, but yeah, for for me, it was a decent uh, opener. Um, in, I've seen better matches, but I've seen uh, a lot worse, so I can't really kind of uh, um, fault it for that. So I'll quickly run through the the rest of the elimination. So we had um, Leaf Cassidy uh, got eliminated by Phil Lafon, then Bulldog uh, was eliminated by Phil Lafon, and uh, Owen Hart eventually gets eliminated by by Doug Furness. And the the two survivors are essentially the two newcomers. Um, from a slow start to a, a fairly quick central uh, part with a, a lot of uh, a lot of um, eliminations all in quick succession, um, it, it 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 made for a good match if you kind of like turn your brain off and, and didn't 
um, didn't kind of put too much thought into it, I suppose. Yeah, totally. So then after this, we go into uh, Mankind and Paul Bearer with a uh, with uh, Mankind and um, sorry Undertaker with Paul Bearer in the Shark Tank hanging above um, above the cage. We get uh, an interview with Mankind and Paul Bearer in essentially pitch black. Uh, where Paul Bear is still saying, he's not going in the cage. No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> funnily enough, he does end up in the cage. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Mankind, um, he has that interview, and then they're literally playing his music to come out to uh, pretty much straight away. So they said that they're in the bowels of the of the of the arena it can't be that far away from the actual arena then the bowels aren't that that deep are they well it was madison madison square garden so <laughs> I, I don't think it was the most sanitizable place but yeah um i, I did enjoy that that the mini interview there i mean that you'd see this all throughout the night they would have uh interviews right before the matches which makes a big mm-hmm. difference rather than because you just it gets you fired up a little bit but um yeah i, I was wondering uh before we logged on here if I would get a Paul Bearer impression out of you, and I'm glad to see we got one. <laughs> um, sure, it won't be the last one of the night. Um, what we did get, though, is um, when uh, Mankind and Paul Bearer were, were in the ring and Paul's refusing to get into into the, the cage, uh, the lights go down. We get uh, what we think is going to be uh, the typical Undertaker entrance, and what we actually get is the first real kind of uh, evolution of the Undertaker. Um, obviously he's been in the company six years now and he's he's technically been the, the actual kind of real Undertaker where he would create the coffins and, and bury people and stuff like that. This is the first time he's, he's switched away from that character and become something more kind of supernatural. Um, descends from the, the arena like, like Batman, you say, doing his favourite Batman impression. Yep, yep. <laughs> But it's he's all uh clad in leather, very much uh looking like uh the build up to like the the ministry version of Undertaker, would you say? Yeah, yeah, he was definitely in, in that phase sort of thing. He was just uh trying new things, I think. Just mm-hmm. trying to switch it up as he would always do uh, throughout his thirty year career. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, Undertaker coming to the ring basically uh, makes Paul Bearer think he can go to the cage for safety. And we get a cool little uh, cage cam, which uh, I thought was a a, a good little spot. Uh, but yeah, uh, what do you what do you think about this match? Um, I did enjoy this one a lot better than the opener um, because uh, there was a lot <laughs> you more. You knew who they were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm a massive fan of uh, both of these. Um, I haven't seen too much of this version of Mankind because when I think of Mankind, I think of the white shirt and the tie and everything like that. So this mm, Mankind, mm, yeah, yeah, the more ca- comedy uh, uh, version of him. But this uh, seemed, I liked it a lot. And uh, he... He did hit a very good-looking power driver in this match. Did you see it, like a snap mm-hmm. power driver? That really yeah. impressed me. I, I never. When you think power drivers, you think Jerry Lawler, Undertaker, Kane. You don't think mankind, but he just kind of just snapped it down, and it was. I thought that was really good. Um, what did you think of it so far? Yeah, I think um, this is for me. It's uh, this was when um, 
Mankind was at his best physically, I want to say. I know he obviously had some amazing matches, but you could tell the uh, the, the hardcore matches that he did really took a, a, a toll on his body. This was kind of almost like a sprightly um, Mankind. I mean, you've seen him do uh, things like uh, somersaults off the off the side of the, the, the ring, which I thought was absolutely brilliant. Um, and I like the way that Undertaker not only had a change of character and a change of, of look but he also added some some um, some stuff to his arsenal his, his wrestling arsenal that he didn't normally have in in in, in terms of his, his character work uh, doing a, a lot more kind of takedowns a lot more brutal kind of hard hitting stuff um yeah i think these two whenever they they wrestle together it's pretty much always magic all the way through the crane and we 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 see these go against each other time and time again, and I, I can't think of a bad match that I, I've seen between these two. No, definitely not. I mean, this is it, this may not be their most famous match, but it was really well done. Um, I liked how uh, Undertaker was working Mankind's hand throughout the beginning of the match because it was telling mm-hmm. the story. It was like he was going to stop that mandible claw, even if he has to break his hand. Um, I just had a quick question about this. Who was the executioner? Because I had no idea what I was watching this. So the executioner is a, a, a former wrestler called Terry Gordy. Um, essentially, he was brought in uh, to help bury the Undertaker. Because previous to this match, uh, Mankind and, and Undertaker had, had a buried alive match. This feud had been going on for, for quite a while. Um, and the 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 buried alive match was meant to be the blow off. Uh, so Terry Gordy was kind of one of the um, the the wrestlers that helped bury the Undertaker. Um, he he was in kind of like the decline of his career. I think just previous to this, maybe about six months before this, he'd actually suffered a um, a stroke because of a heroin overdose. Um, so he yeah. So this was kind of like. Um, Almost like a thank you payoff from the WWE, uh, basically give him uh, give him some money, give him some work. Um, it was it wasn't in the best condition at all, um, but it was also a way to extend this feud um, mm. because obviously the the payoff for this was was Undertaker getting his hands on Paul Bearer, and that would have been the end of the feud. But having um, having uh, the executioner involved means we can extend this over the net, the upcoming pay per views. Uh, they they do kind of milk it, um, but like I said, these matches uh, are always entertaining, um, and I, I do like the point that you made about the working on the hand. Uh, we see. Uh, uh, a kind of a twist on a famous mankind Mick Foley uh, move, where he, he he normally does the 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 neck uh, the neck kind of gripping the ropes. I think it's called the hangman's noose or something like that. Normally he does it with the neck, but this time he does it with his hand, which I thought was a, a cool little touch. Uh, and then. Um, Coming towards the end, he, he has a some sort of weapon, uh, and I couldn't actually make out what it was. It, it first I thought it was like a, a knife, and then it looked like just a, a piece of plastic. Um, but he was uh, essentially stabbing that into the the head of of, of Undertaker. Um, but um, the the end come when uh, he essentially jumps on the back of Undertaker. Uh, Undertaker flips him to into the tombstone. Uh, I think the the finish came pretty quickly out of, out of nowhere, where mankind looked like he was in in control, especially using that weapon, and and then one tombstone, and and the match is over. 
Um, what did you think of that finish? Do you think it was rushed or do you think it, uh, it plays into the character of Undertaker? I think it was rushed, but um, I'm combining that with what you said just a minute ago about um, it was a way to continue the story, so they didn't want to give the full uh, gamut to um, to everything. Uh, to, like they wanted to continue this story, and uh, you can see why they why they kind of just ended it early. I was a little bit disappointed with uh, the payoff at the end when uh, Paul Bearer came down, but. But, um, I mean, if you was there, if you paid for that, you would you would feel uh, a bit upset, and you was really invested. He was like, you want to see Undertaker just get his hands on Paul Bearer, but no. But this mm-hmm. reminds me of uh, this stipulation. I'm sure was done in Memphis, like in the 60s, 70s, stuff like that. It's very old school. It just seems it's like we'll put the manager up above uh, the the uh, arena, and, uh, and like it, it it just screams Memphis to me. For some reason, what do you think? Yeah, it's it, it's it's very old school booking where you think you're gonna get uh, the payoff, and and you don't, and you ne- you you end up having to buy into the next show. That uh, and I suppose that makes sense. Uh, at the end of the day, it's a business. Uh, they're they're trying to get all your all your money out of you. I suppose, uh, but this does lead to um, does lead to a match uh, at the next pay per view. I think it's called. Um, it's time. Um, so we that paper we get um, Undertaker uh, versus Executioner uh, in an Armageddon rules match, apparently, which is essentially just a hardcore match. Um, but the yeah. at, <laughs> at, at the at the finish we get um, the the cage is lowered. Undertaker thinks he's getting his hands on on Paul Bearer. Out sprints Terry Gordy as the the Executioner. That gives uh, Paul Bearer the opportunity to to leave the ring. Uh, Undertaker hits the clothesline. Um, executioner um, essentially no sells it, leaves the leaves the ring, uh, and 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 that's the the end of the match. Um, Undertaker, I, I do like this kind of change in Undertaker's character. I think he looks a lot more kind of aggressive and and more fast paced. Uh, we're mm-hmm. used to the Undertaker being a very kind of slow, methodical wrestler, uh, but yeah, it's uh it's cool going back to see. The, the first kind of uh, iteration of, of The Undertaker changing his character up. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's, it's, uh, uh, did he take some time off before this? So he, he took a little bit of time off um, f- since SummerSlam, which was the, the pay-per-view yep. uh, previous to this. Then they had a, a couple of um, pay-per-views, like, a, like B, set, B yep. pay-per-views, like In Your Houses. But he... He was always kind of on the show in voiceovers, uh, like yeah. taunting mankind and and uh, and um, uh, Paul Bearer. So he took a, a little time away, but the storyline kept chugging without him. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. So after that, we get uh, Sonic coming down to the ring uh, to do a bit of commentary. And uh, what did you think about her and Jr? Uh, Going, going tit for tat against each other. Jesus Christ, they were not fans of each other. Definitely not. I, I felt this was uh, one of Jim Ross's worst nights, to be honest, as a commentator, um, because that back and forth was like, oh, it was, it was just taken. It took totally took away from this next match that we'll be discussing. But mm-hmm. um, no, they weren't. They weren't uh, fans of each other. They were taking little barbs at each other. But I just, I, I referenced it a minute ago, but. Um, 
did you see when she came out, she had to dodge the fans herself because there were a lot of fans just grabbing, just like hungrily just grabbing. (laughs) It was just, it was like, what the hell's going on here? Um, I mean, obviously they stopped that when they went back to Madison Square Garden. If you remember the um, WrestleMania 20 uh, stage, how far apart the fans were on the those. Or if you remember the the Royal Rumble where Cena makes his return. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. Totally. There is, there's a there is a, a much wider kind of a, a entrance ramp. Um, I mean, we'll, yes. we'll get yeah. to it in the, we'll get to it in, in uh, the main event. But there's one fan who yeah. literally wrestles Shawn Michaels. Uh, just, <laughs> she grips him and just won't let him go. Uh, but yeah, the, the fans were rabid for Sable. Let's let's yes. say that. Yeah. Um, and, and go on. Oh, I was going to say, uh, there was one little highlight there with Vince McMahon slightly trying to dance that made me laugh. Um, he, I mean, if you've ever seen Vince McMahon da- dance, it is really funny. Just uh... <laughs> and, and then he denied doing it to J.O., who, who literally caught him. Um, yes. <laughs> but, yeah, um, so, yeah, I, we, we've had the, I want to say, misfortune of, of seeing this whole kind of a heel JR uh, character uh, from from the, the start. And it's not good. He's, he's not good at it. As, um, people just love JR too much, and he's, he's, he's just not good at pulling off the, the heel persona. So him being a douchebag to, to Sonny and then uh, Sonny essentially giving it him back, yeah, it, you're right. It took her. It took her away from this match. But we do see a we do see a, a, a big debut uh, in this match. Uh, so this is another Survivor Series uh, elimination match. We've got uh, the heels of Hunter Helmsley, Crush, Jerry Lawler, who's left commentary for for this match, and Goldust. And we get like a a, a bit of an interview with them uh, backstage, and they're taking on Mark Miro, um, Rocky Maivia. Uh, Jake Roberts and the stalker Barry Winden, who thankfully has lost the face paint because that was absolutely ridiculous. Um, they make a big deal of Mark Miro being the star in this uh, in this match. Um, he, he even gets the opportunity to, to introduce uh, Jake Roberts, uh, who was a replacement for for Mark Henry, uh, mm. who, who apparently had, had picked up a, an injury. Um, what do you think of Mark Miro? Uh, do you think he's going to be a star, or do you think it's what what actually happens uh, uh, with Sable uh, being uh, the star and Mark being kind of her her kind of like wing man, I suppose. I'll I'll go with the latter because um, did you see how 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 many times the camera panned to um, Sable on the on the outside? Um, you can totally understand when uh, people talk about, like uh, former writers like Vince Russo or something, talk about Vince McMahon's infatuation with um, Sable. You could just see it. This was early days, but um, you, you uh, it, it, in terms of Mark Miro, I, I just feel like he was just there, just as a placeholder, because um, it didn't feel like he was a big star at all. Watching this, um, they to me it didn't feel it because he was kind of like. Uh, it, to me, it, it just felt like this was just a, a one-star match because uh, not in terms of like rating. I mean, one star they were focusing on, and that was Rocky Maivia. Everyone mm-hmm. else, I mean, everyone did did do good in their uh, roles and stuff. This match was just to build Rocky Maivia, in my opinion. What did you think? Yeah, you absolutely uh, are absolutely right. And going back to the the Sable point. Um, 
she was one of the the biggest stars. I mean, if you go all the way back to the Hogan and Macho Man era, um, beyond uh, Hogan being the 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 biggest star, the second biggest star was always Miss Elizabeth, and at this time. Um, Sable was was one of the biggest stars, or n- maybe not this time, this time, but in, certainly in the in the coming months, like the the next year or so, Sable becomes one of the biggest stars in the WWE um, because of of who she is, and and I think uh, Mark suffers from that because it's almost it almost feels like he was brought in to bring Sable in rather than he be brought in and, and Sable co- comes along with him. Uh, and there's a lot of uh, rumors and innuendo about. Vince being so kind of infatuated with with Sable being in, uh, involved in in wrestling that um, he wanted her on a totally separate contract to Mark Miro. So if uh, if they got rid of Mark Miro, she didn't essentially go with him because he knew that there was money there with her. Mm, yeah. Uh, and before we we start getting into the match as well, uh, Sonny and and Sable seem to have a. Uh, a very one-sided hatred. Uh, Sonny, not happy at all with Sable, calls a plastic uh, when um, Jim, she, Jim Ross um, uh, says something about it and, and Sable says she's 100% natural. Um, says, she says that Mark Miro's got poor taste because look at the dog that, that he's, uh, he's at ringside, really kind of ripping into, into Sable. What did you think of this kind of like bitchiness? This seemed like a a backstage uh, issue that was just coming on air. Um, I mean, in storyline, was Sable and uh, Sonny in a feud? Um, I mean, I mean, they would be in a feud, but at this time, I don't think they were in a feud uh, together. I mean, what was what was going to be the payoff? I mean, it was just uh, Sonny was just kind of like one of the worst commentators I've heard ever. And um, it was like I just, I, I just didn't, I didn't understand it because um, at this point, Stable was just, just a manager really. She wasn't going to get in the ring, and there was no payoff for this. So these little pot shots were kind of like unneeded. Yeah, I agree. Um, I was, uh, and I, yeah, I was just going to. No, I was, was going to say, say. Uh, also, did you know? Yeah. Go on. No, I was, I was just going to say, um, did you notice how many uh, third and second generation stars were in this match? It was quite. Uh... Yeah, they, they they made a huge deal of of mentioning it over over the match. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they didn't did even mention the, the likes of Goldust though. Who um, mm. I know mm. they they really focused on uh, Rocky uh, and, yeah. and Barry Windham, but Jake Roberts is a, um, yep. a multi generation wrestler. Goldust is multi generation. Um, so yeah. yeah, it's a it's very much a family affair uh, in, yeah. in this match. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and going definitely. Back, going, Going back to the Sable point, uh, even at, at this time she wasn't even managing. She'd actually dumped all her, all her, um, all her clients. So the only time that you really saw her was when she was doing things like this, when she was doing um, commentary work. But the WWE uh, had, were invested in her because she, at the time, was the most downloaded. Uh, picture on the whole of the internet, and they make a, a big deal of uh, of pushing that. Yeah, and if you don't believe her, just ask her. <laughs> Did you ever Did download you... Sunny from from the internet? <laughs> I was five at this point, so I didn't even know what the internet was. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> so, um, getting into the match and kind of like the 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 first match, it, um, outside the 
the Jake Robertson and Jerry Lawler stuff, which has been uh, recurring. This is uh, on. There's a, a little bit of the the Hunter's Helms there and Mark Miro stuff, but other than that, there's not a lot of feuds in this in this match. So that they're building off. It's again just wrestlers thrown together for the sake of having a heel and a face team. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we'd see this pattern for the ne- for the next twenty years, even now today, as <laughs> today is uh, Survivor Series two thousand twenty one. Um, you you just see just a lot of wrestlers, but there was a few years there where they they didn't have that. Like each wrestler was uh, specifically um, placed into the match because they were feuding with somebody else. I think of mm-hmm. something like. 2001 when there was uh the, the alliance and stuff like that there was there was stories but um yeah yeah it just it did feel like a, a like a kind of random selection selection of mat, of uh, wrestlers to go in the match here yeah and and i think we, i think it's either the 97 one or maybe the 98 one where we get the gang rules where uh there's a lot of factions in 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 wwf at the time so those ones make sense, but these where the 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 wrestlers are, are just thrown together. It, it goes back to like the the uh, late eighties, early nineties, where it was who's a heel, you're on that team; who's a face, you're on that team, kind of thing. Uh, yeah. it's, it's simple booking, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but in in terms of the match, um, again, it's it's nothing spectacular uh, for me. I think it goes a little bit too long. Um, like mm. clocks in at almost 25 minutes. Uh, but uh, as you said at the beginning, this was all built to build uh, Rocker uh, as a star. Um, ironically, the fans like him in this match, but they soon pretty much turn on him and tell him uh, mm. to die, Rocky, die. They don't kind of, uh, uh, they, they don't kind of vibe with that uh, um, happy go lucky blue chipper, but they do make a, a huge deal of him being a third generation wrestler, the very first third generation wrestler. Um, they make um, a comment about how he's named after his his dad and his granddad, and how they were big stars in in uh, in the garden as well. Um, so there's a, a hell of a lot of love. Um, I don't know if you watched the the episode of Raw uh, that that was on previous to this, but uh, they have a package about the Rock and 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 him training and and what he went through to to become a wrestler. Um, so that's a, an interesting to go back, and it's cool to see the beginning of what turns out to be the biggest star to ever come out of wrestling, I suppose. Definitely, yeah. And uh, I did find it weird that Jim Ross was uh, very much behind the rock here, despite him being a heel himself. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but he, uh, yeah, he de- definitely. This was definitely a vehicle to build the rock, and I think they did it really, really well here. Like you said, it did go on a bit long, even for me as well. Um, but yeah, they mission accomplished on this because the rock did come out looking good. Yeah, he certainly did. Uh, so we, the the eliminations are, I think, um, the first one is Jerry Lawler. He gets eliminated uh, by Roberts, kind of like rubber stamping the the end of their feud uh, when Roberts hits the the DDT. Um, then uh, I think it's the Stalker is 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 out next. He gets eliminated with a with a curtain call. Uh, they make a big issue of uh, of him, his boots that he's wearing. Uh, Sonny tries to kind of pick a, a fight with Jim Ross when Jim mentions the stalker's boots. And uh, Jim says, oh, there's a tail behind those boots. And she said, is there? Or, or have you just made that up? And she went, no, there is dad's, there are genuinely his dad's boots. Yeah. <laughs> I found that uh, 
that was just odd. Just uh, I, I think that was just Sonny just trying to uh, pick a fight, just just to try to be entertaining. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I think it, it shows that even though he's a douchebag, um, you miss Jerry Lawler on commentary because he knows how to to kind of play off Vince and, and Jim way more than, than Sonny does. Yes, definitely, definitely. So after that, we get, uh, I think it's um, Triple H is eliminated next. Uh, Mark Miro does his, his, his wild thing, Miro salt uh, to, to, to pin Triple H. Then uh, Crush actually gets a, a couple of, uh, of, of pins. Actually, looks quite uh, dominant. He uh, he pins um, Mark Miro after uh, uh, nailing him with that with that heart punch. Um, then he eliminates um, Jake Roberts um, again. I think he hits him with the the heart punch, and then uh, it essentially leaves um, the Rock Rocky Maivia two on one. He's uh, He's essentially getting beat down. Puts up a great fight. Um, he's, he uh, lands some some great shots on 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 Crush. Uh, he, he he goes for quite a few cross body blocks. I think uh, they're trying to push that as as maybe it's going to be his finishing move. And he, he shows a lot of his athleticism with the the kind of a leapfrog and then reverse leapfrog. Um, but essentially, he, the numbers do overpower him. Uh, and then Goldust Gold uh, has his, his arms behind his back. Uh, Crush goes for the, for the knockout punch. Uh, Rocky uh, ducks. He hits, uh, hits Goldust. Um, so um, Rocky is able to, to get the pin on, on Goldust, then uh, hit the... the um, oh, no, he gets the pin on Crush first, and then he is able to hit the, uh, the crossbody on... Uh, on Goldust and 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 pick up. Oh, no, he gets a shoulder breaker on Goldust, I think, uh, to pick up the victory. Um, yeah, uh, like I said, average match. But the whole point of this was was to show you that this uh, this new blue chipper was uh, was the future of the company. Um, do you think, looking at this performance, that he, he was going to turn out? If you if you'd have watched this and, and never known how he went on, do you think he would have been the biggest star that that potentially came out of the company and essentially the biggest star in Hollywood today? Do you, would you have got that vibe from from this uh this young Rocky Maivia? Yes, uh, on this night, yes, but um, I'm not sure how it goes forward after this. But I would have uh, definitely seen big things for him. But I don't think um, that big. But we would have seen. Uh, we, I've already seen a main eventer in in a year or so. But I think it took them about two years to make him a main eventer. Um, but yeah, you could definitely see the rocket was on him. The rocket. Yeah, and and you can you can certainly see for for me at least that that charisma. Of the Rock, um, even though he's is is still fresh and he's still green, you can see the 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 shades of the the person he would turn into be, and 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 it's always kind of said in wrestling that uh, the best characters are always when you're playing yourself, but you just turn the dial up to to eleven, uh, and you can see how that really worked for for Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Definitely. So then after this, we're going to. Uh, Essentially, what many people call the main event. Uh, it's certainly the the most uh, pushed match of this card. Um, Some um, Stone Cold Steve Austin taking on Brett the Hitman Hart. Um, this is the first match back for for Brett since he lost the title 
uh, at WrestleMania. Um, and since then, Austin's gone on to win King of the Ring. Um, now, going back for, uh, before uh, watching the, the shows back, you would kind of think that the King of the Ring meant that Austin was an instant big star. Uh, the way that the the narrative goes for WWF that uh, he wins King of the Ring, does his Austin 316 promo, and then the day after is this massive star pushed straight into into the main event picture. But, but we're actually now nearly six months away from him winning that King of the Ring, and it's it's actually been a really slow build to get him to to this point. Uh, and even now he's he's not. Um, he's not up there with uh, with the title contenders, uh, but what Brett does in, in this match and the feud that goes on after this match is he essentially um, he makes Stone Cold Steve Austin a made man. Um, him coming back um, kind of um, it solidifies Stone Cold Steve Austin. He says that Stone Cold is the best wrestler in the company. He wants to come back and, and face him. And then you've got the heel Stone Cold who's uh, absolutely shitting on Bret Hart, saying, uh, you're a coward. Uh, you, you you couldn't be uh, Shawn Michaels. Uh, if you put the S in front of Hitman, that's what you th- I think of him. And we're coming off the whole kind of Pillman's got a gun uh, palaver that happened as well. Uh, Austin getting uh, pissed off that, that Brett is getting interviews at home, whereas he has to come. He has to come to the studio for tapings. So there's a lot of kind of like um, professional rivalry there, um, uh, and also they they're playing two totally different characters. Austin's being like the the douchebag heel, and and Brett is still um, the kind of superhero face, I, I suppose, of of uh, of, of wrestling. Um, this match has been absolutely built up to the hills over the over the past rows to the point where we've uh, said on uh, a change in attitude that it's kind of, the booking has kind of overshadowed the main event. Uh, this this for me feels bigger than the title match, uh, and and this is the first match of of, of their kind of uh, sequence of matches that, and it is probably the worst match as well. Uh, being being fair, but this match is so damn good. Such a great match uh, for me. I think it's easily the best match on the card. I don't know about yourself. Uh, let us know what you what you thought of this match. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, with being the best match of the of the night because uh, the, I mean, they, like you said, I've, I I thought that for years. Like uh, after Stone Cold won the uh, King of the Ring, he was a made man and he was in main events and everything like that. It's only from listening to this show that I've le- I've learned. Oh no, wait, like no, it wasn't all uh, sunshine and roses. But um, yeah, uh, this in terms of this match, yeah, there was a, there was a. To me, I, I, I actually enjoyed this match more than the WrestleMania 13, and I know that's um, uh, unpopular opinion, but I, I think Blast this match it. told. <laughs> and um, I know that's a, a popular opinion, but I actually enjoyed how they took their time with this, as they did with the other match as well. But they took their time, and this match it really stood out. One horrendous bump that we're going to talk about uh, as we get further into this match. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. 
Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Yeah, um, I mean, I can see your point. Uh, I think the good thing with Bret Hart, and um, we've covered it a lot over on uh, that 90s wrestling podcast with uh, with uh, Dan and, and Rob and James, just how uh, how amazing a wrestler that Bret Hart is, that he can wrestle the same person multiple times and each match be totally different. Uh, even uh, when he uh, had the King of the Ring, he had three different opponents, uh, wrestled three totally different matches with three totally different finishes. So uh, putting Austin in, in the ring against someone as, as good as, as Bret Hart, it, it was always going to be a good match because Bret can... Uh, I know it's a cliche, but he could wrestle a broom to a, a, a four-star match. Um, when you put in um, a wrestler like Austin, who I think his technical wrestling skill is is pretty underrated. Um, before he got his, his severe knee and ne- uh, neck injuries, he was actually a really good technical wrestler. It's only after after the injuries he transitioned into mm-hmm. more of a brawling style because it, it was easier on his on his joints. Um, but this match was, I thought it was technically uh, superb from from both people. Um, the 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 leg drops, the the stun gun on the ropes. Um, uh, but the the good thing is, it, it, it Bret Hart and, and and Austin are always able to take you. Uh, take you on a journey almost a story so you start with technical wrestling then you build into brawling then it kind of it kind of keeps ramping up and ramping up uh to the where it's uh essentially becoming more hardcore and it's uh it's becoming uh really really brutal um um, we see uh, Hart get slingshotted into into the the Spanish announce table, um, and Jim Ross makes a, a funny quip about how uh, it seemed always seems happened to the Spanish guys. Um, <laughs> so, what what did you think of, of the kind of like the build in this story? Because we're we're looking at like almost a thirty minute match here, um, yeah. and it it can be really hard to kind of like keep. Uh, the crowd and the fans uh, interested uh, for for such a long match. Um, what did you think of uh, of the way that the the two controlled the ring? I really enjoyed it. Um, this was uh, Bret Hart's first match back as well after a long mm-hmm. break, and uh, I think anyone who can take that long length of a time off and come back and deliver a match like this is just it's just something of. Uh, of a magician because um the, like you said it was just the the way that they controlled the ring it was like it just kept the uh fans invested that's the, that slingshot was the as the uh the awful bump i was talking about because mm-hmm. every 
match, every hardcore match where they go through the Spanish announce tables, that the wrestlers are always taking the monitors out of the um off the table, making it as safe as they can before they put their opponent through it. But this time, Stone Cold didn't care. He just slingshotted him <laughs> and he even uh, ended up on uh, Carlos Cabrera's lap as well. And um, it was like, it was, it just looked more unplanned. And I, I liked that part of it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really good match overall. Yeah, and uh, so um, I thought as well the 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 finish was was uh, really well done, really kind of interesting. So we see uh, Bret Hart um, essentially stuck in uh, a Texas Cloverleaf, kind of like playing off the fact he does the the uh, the sharpshooter, um, and and then we see Austin um, hit, hit a sunner. Uh, then we see him actually go for the for the sharpshooter. Um, we see the million dollar dream applied, um, Hart struggling to get out of it. Uh, and the really clever um kind of escape was was when he uh he climbs up the turnbuckles, uh kind of pushes off the, the top turnbuckle, uh forces Austin onto his back and then kind of rolls him, rolls over so he's getting the pin, even though he's still uh trapped in, in the submission move. Uh, a really, really uh clever finish. Uh Hart picks up the win uh on on, on his uh, first match back, but I don't think uh Austin comes out of this looking uh looking any worse off because he's gone 30 minutes with arguably one of the best wrestlers in in the world at this time and he hasn't looked out of place yeah totally totally agreed i mean he he definitely hung in there with bret hart and um yeah uh and then we find out uh i mean vince kind of stumbles over his words a little bit, but Jim Ross uh, saves him. But we find out that uh, this win means that Bret Hart essentially gets the title match uh, uh, at the next pay-per-view, um, which I think is actually called It's Time because it was meant to be Vader getting that uh, getting that uh, pay-per-view spot. But after what happened at, at SummerSlam and, and Shawn Michaels essentially... Uh, politicking his way to not losing to Vader because uh, he felt that he worked unsafe. Um, mm. It means that Bret Hart is in that is in that title picture instead. Yeah, definitely. So then we get um, uh, an interview from Sarko Sid. Very uh, quiet, a quick interview, but he mentions uh, uh, the word tonight about forty five times in it. Um, then we get uh, another throwaway um, Survivor Series match this time. Um, this this was meant to have a, a special guest. So we had Farouk uh, coming out uh, to some uh, pre-Eminem white rapping. Um, this is a, a total uh, change of character for Farouk. He obviously is uh, come into the WWF as this uh, Spartan gladiator wearing a tinfoil helmet. Um, went away for a little while after the Ahmed Johnson uh, feud. Uh, and now he's come back as uh, the leader of what we will, what we'll eventually see, being uh, the faction, the Nation of Domination, um, and he's teaming with oh, Fake Razor Ramon, even Faker Diesel, uh, and uh, Big Van Vader, and they're going up against the team of Savio Vega, um, Yokozuna returning, um, Flash Funk, uh, also known as Two Cold Scorpio. 
and uh, the the special star. And I don't know how Jim Ross and uh, and Vince were so surprised because they literally uh, put him in the Hall of Fame the the night before. Um, Superfly Jimmy Snooker. Uh, yep. What what do you think of Jimmy Snooker as a mystery uh, opponent? I I was actually a big fan of Jimmy Snooker until I watched Dark Sides of, of the Ring uh, and found out that, that that horrific murder he uh, committed. But um, did, did you notice? Um, uh, did you notice? What was it uh, the underwhelming pop that he got from this crowd? It was not. It was very lukewarm. Um, I, I think this was an underwhelming surprise. To be honest, what did you think? Yeah, I think this was a snooker who was uh, well past his prime. I mean, he had a monumental feud with uh, with Roddy Piper that culminated in matches at um, at Madison Square Garden. So he was famous in this arena. But you are right, the the crowd. I, th- I think it was almost they knew that it was going to be snooker, so there was no kind of big surprise there, which kind of uh, ended up being a, a bit of a, a damp squib. Plus, when you're facing fake diesel and, and fake razor, uh, nobody cares. Everybody hated this uh, this gimmick, so um, putting uh, Superfly on the opposite team, it was, it was kind of like papering over the cracks, I suppose. Uh, that's what I was going to say about Fake Razor and Diesel is I was under the impression Fake Razor and Diesel only lasted a couple of weeks but here we are months after (laughs) (laughs) it does does die a death pretty soon uh, which is a saving grace I suppose and and, and it's a shame really because um, this if he wasn't the the fake Razor character I don't think that Rick Bogner was a bad wrestler I mean he does a fall away slam um, on Savio Vega in in this match and it's actually really tidy the way he does it and the same can go uh, be said for 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 Diesel. I mean, he ends up being Kane, uh, mm. who's one of the the best gimmick characters, what certainly one of the best big man wrestlers uh, that the company's ever seen. So these aren't poor wrestlers; these are just no. good wrestlers in a very shit gimmick. Definitely. And did you notice Jim Ross's line about uh, dig at Hulk Hogan? During the Flash Funk session, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've never seen somebody look so good in in red and yellow uh, yeah. in this arena. He also he also has a dig at uh, Scott Hall as well. He says, um, "I don't know why everyone's giving uh, giving uh, Razor Ramon a lot of grief. Look at the kid; he's a, an absolute blue chipper. Uh, certainly not as ugly as the the first person who had that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Jesus Christ, Jim. <laughs> Jesus Christ." He was really healing it up here, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, he certainly was. Um, yeah, th- this match is absolutely nothing to to write home about. Um, less than 10 minutes long. We only actually uh, see a couple of eliminations. I think Savio Vega is eliminated by, by Diesel after the jackknife. Uh, and then we see uh, Razor Ramon get eliminated um, after the, the Superfly. But essentially, it all uh, descends into madness when Diesel hits Snooker with a chair. Uh, Savio Vega, I don't know whether he was uh, he was watching backstage on the monitor, but as soon as he sees that, he starts sprinting down to the the, uh, the ringside with a with a chair. Uh, all eight guys end up having a brawl, and uh, eventually, Matt Kyoda, um waves the match off. Um, no survivors um, ends in double disqualification. Um, what did you think about this finish? 
Oh, very lame, very lame. But it was welcomed at this point because this match felt like such a mess, and it just felt like something that would belong on a pre-show. Um, that after the after it just kind of phased away to the next segment, I was thinking, well, I'm not too angry about that, but at least we didn't have to sit through five eliminations or however many, maybe nine. They would have if Vince Man got his way, he would have booked it like this. But <laughs> I'm sure this was cut from timing issues because you still had the main event to come. Uh, yeah, and I, th- I think this the 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 placing of this match was to kind of be a palate cleanser from uh, the Bret Hart and Stone Cold match. I think if you'd have gone from that match straight into the the Shawn Michaels and, and Sid match, um, maybe the crowd wouldn't have been as uh, as as harped up. Uh, so you needed kind of that essentially that piss break match. And that's yeah. what this was, um, which is sad for for the people uh, in the match. But it, it is what it is. This was this was never with the with the stars in this match. This was never going to be a technical masterpiece, no. especially on on the heel side. It was very kind of like bruiser style wrestling. Definitely. I mean, um, I know that sometimes they do cut matches just before they go out and you just see the reactions of the wrestlers. But, um, I mean, this one was welcomed uh, <laughs> welcomed in this household. <laughs> so after after that, we're getting into, into the main event. Um, we get a video package uh, showing the kind of uh, the trials and tribulations between uh, Shawn Michaels and... Uh, and uh, Sarko said uh, how they were enemies and then friends and then back to enemies and, and covering all the, the, the kind of mistakes. Um, Sid came out, uh, and again, uh, you, you made a uh, you made the point a couple of times over this show. The crowd were were essentially scratching and clawing to to get to Sid. He was huge at this at this point. The fans were absolutely in love with him. Uh, he goes, comes to the, the ring, uh, essentially fist bumping everyone who puts out their hand. Um, then we, uh, we, we see, um, the, the fireworks. And I think that's, that's always a, a really cool look with, uh, the, the big, uh, Sid fireworks. It shows that the company was, was, uh, very much behind him. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then we see Shawn Michaels coming out with, uh, Jose L- Lothario, and and this is where for me the crowd went overboard. Um, there's a, a a woman who grabs Shawn Michaels by the arm, and you can see that he's really kind of struggling to to get away from her. I think security even had to come in and and, and break it up. But um, if I mean professional uh, Sean uh, took it on the chin. Even uh, I think he, there's a a, a a member of the crowd who he gives a kiss to uh, on 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 the way to the ring. Um, but yeah, he is. Uh, whether he's the heel in this match, I mean, you, you can't really tell because he, they both seem to be getting so many cheers. Um, but he was a star uh, for all his politicking, for all the the, the douchebaggery he pulled off. Um, the he was he looked every single inch the the WWF champion. Definitely. I mean, this was one of his finest moments. Uh, well, uh, until the uh, finish itself. But um, the the uh, the amount of cheers he got, um, it was confusing to watch this because he was thinking, who is the heel and who is the baby face? Because <laughs> Sid was fist bumping like a face and Shawn Michaels was kind of like, he's working as a heel in some of these matches. 
um, yeah, I would say, yeah, this was actually pretty good. Yeah, and, and and it starts off in a, a typical Sid match where he's using his uh his power to to basically beat down on on Michaels and a lot of what looked like stiff shots from um uh from Sid uh Jim Ross makes a, a comment on uh saying that Shaw Michaels needs to not be standing still he needs to be using his momentum and 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 getting Sid off his feet eventually we we see that and there's a, a kind of like a, a back and forth in in uh, people being in control I I did like the there's a little segment where uh Shaw Michaels uses a headlock takedown to to control Sid um then he does a, a uh when Sid's uh, trying to get his way out he does a kip up uh, and then Sid does a headlock takedown to to Sean Michaels. When Sean kind of works his way out of that, Sid does a kip up as well. I mean, for somebody the size of of of, of Sid to to be able to pull that off, I thought that was a cool little spot. That was really good. Yeah, it was really impressive because um, I don't think I've ever seen Sid do that since or before this. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's not known for 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 doing uh, flamboyant moves like that. I mean, there's a, a famous one where he he tries to do a uh, a kick off the top rope and absolutely just snaps his leg in off. So yeah, it's not often you see Sid able to kind of like leave his feet uh, with with the grace that he does. Uh, we see Sid um, shoving a cameraman, which comes in uh, come uh, is important later on. But yeah, this the back and forth in this match to say that that Sid wasn't the best technical wrestler. I mean, JR absolutely buries him by saying he's a terrible technical wrestler, which I thought was was a bit on the nose by JR. Um, I think Michaels uh, and him have great chemistry and they, they really kind of uh, uh, work well as a, as a, as a pair uh, to give us a, a really, really good match. Uh, what did you think of this match? Before I get into the match, I just want to uh, say a line from Jim Ross that was said <laughs> when uh, they was outside of the ring. Jim Ross uh, made the bold statement here of the fans aren't going to pay your next grocery bill. Right? Do you Have you heard the story of that fan who died and left 2.5 million to Shawn Michaels uh, wow. in his in his uh in his inher- like sort of like a her- inheritance but this happened before um and it this happened about three years before it was around that time that Shawn Michaels had quit the WWF and mm-hmm. um but yeah that just made me laugh because it was like that is literally when in reference in Shawn Mike- I'm not sure if that was a dig or not but um that made me laugh um in terms of the match it was like um it's just uh this was like a Sid dominating a lot of it. it. You're right, Jim Ross did go out of his way to uh, to take some shots at Sid Vicious, in, including um, uh, when he was making his entrance, uh, Jim Ross said, Shawn Michaels has made a lot of more money being bigger guys than Sid Vicious, which was mm-hmm. kind of just burying Sid Vicious there. But um, it was, uh, yeah, yeah, it was like... The crowd loved Sid all throughout this match. So anytime he was on the offense, he was uh, getting cheered. And anytime Shawn Michaels was on the offense, he was getting booed. And you could see Shawn Michaels was uh, getting frustrated throughout some of it as well. Yeah, um, but you you do get the kind of like the the greatest hits almost. We we see uh, 
Shaw Michael skinning the cat. Um, what I do like though is that every time that Shaw Michaels did one of his uh his uh his classic moves, Sid just leveled him with a clothesline. Um, it, there's, it, there's another point where he does another kip up after a flying forearm, and Sid just levels him with a clothesline again the minute he gets back on his feet. Um, the finish comes when um Sid um essentially grabs the 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 camera, um, hits uh Jose Lothario with it. Um, it absolutely um looks ridiculous. Uh, but Jose is there on the floor, um, looking like he's having some sort of like heart problem, um, which kind of distracts Shawn Michaels from the match. He, he hits the uh the switching music, uh, but instead of going for the pin, he goes to check on Jose Lothario, screaming at the uh at the backstage staff to send somebody down to to help. Um, Sid comes out, gets Michaels back in the ring. Um, we we see a little bit of a behind the curtain where Sid and, and Michaels are talking the way through what's going to happen next, uh, which leads to the the crossbody uh, shot on on Earl Hebner when uh, Sid ducks. Michaels again doesn't kind of capitalize. He goes on to to check on uh, Jose Lothario again, and yet again nobody's come down. I mean, if he was having a real heart attack, you'd be disgusted in the, the fact they've not sent any medical staff down. Uh, but this is where Sid comes out with the, the camera, hits Michaels uh, in the in the back of the head with it. Um, there, there's a lot of play about uh, Jose having this uh, this heart attack, and Jim Ross who was sat. Maybe six six to ten yards away. Uh didn't go and help, but just said, I just hope he's not having a heart attack. Um we uh then uh, see essentially Sid uh roll Michaels back into the ring, uh hit the power bomb. Uh Earl Hebner counts the pin, and we have a, a new champion. Um, but Shaw Michaels being Shaw Michaels, he uh kind of in that Hulk Hogan vein, uh couldn't let Sid just have the the, the moment to to kind of uh, get all the applause. He has to be that the centre of attention, uh, throwing uh, the medical staff and, and the, the officials out of the way to to help uh, Jose Lothario um, get back to uh, backstage. He does the crawling thing as well, which I thought was uh, uh, ridiculous to look at, but actually made sense if you want to avoid those grabbing fans, it, uh, being able to kind of like crawl past them rather than... Uh, rather than be manhandled by him. But, yeah, uh, I felt a bit bad for, for Sid that uh, Shawn Michaels was was still the star of this. But uh, I thought it was a great match, uh, probably one of the best that I remember as, of, of Sid's career. Uh, and it just goes to show um, as much of a, a douchebag he was, Shawn Michaels could, could get the best out of any opponent that he faces. Definitely. I mean, I remember reading uh, quite a while ago that this was actually supposed to be Vader versus Shawn Michaels. But um, I mean, obviously, politicking and the SummerSlam 96 uh, match saw to it that it wasn't uh, to be. But I just kept thinking, imagine if that was Vader actually winning the title that night. That would have been pretty cool as well. But um I was happy for Sid as well, but as you said, Shawn Michaels was the more fans cared about what happened to uh, Jose than um, Sid Vicious. But they were they did explode when he won the belt, and I really enjoyed that. Yeah, um, so that's the the end of the show. The 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 lights go down with uh, Sid as champion. Uh, what did you think of the uh, the show overall? Um, overall, this pay per view had three highlights to me that were. Uh, memorable because you've seen them 
years and years for our video packages was uh, The Rock's uh, debut, mm-hmm. uh, Sid Vicious winning, and uh, Hart versus Austin. Other than that, um, there were—I mean, there were some good points as well, but that those were the three that really stood out. Um, what did you think? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you've hit the, the nail on the head. Uh, this is um, a forgettable um, uh, big four pay per view. Apart from the fact that we get the 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 kind of start of the Austin and Bret Hart feud, uh, Shawn Michaels makes Psycho uh, Sid look like absolutely a million dollars, and we get the that debut of, of the Rock. So for those three moments alone, uh, they're definitely uh, things that you want to go back and check out. the The rest of the card is very ho hum. Um, typical of a of a Survivor Series. Uh, nothing really kind of. Uh, uh, stands out after the the event, um, but yeah, um, thanks for for coming on, Danny. Uh, thanks for for reviewing uh, uh, Survivor Series with, with us, and um, we'll uh, we'll be having you on uh, over a, a, a few times over the next few weeks uh, to kind of uh, fill in for for Tanner uh, whilst he's uh, in the process of moving and and, and sorting his new job out. Um, thanks for for filling in. Uh, let everybody know where they can. Uh, they can get hold of you on social media, sir. Yep. So thank you for having me on. Uh, I really enjoyed today. Um, so on uh, social media, I'm just at Scottish Juggalo on Twitter. I know I don't sound Scottish, but believe me, I am. <laughs> and uh, that's about it, really. I, I just do little videos where I just tag everyone in and uh, at call moments of wrestling. And, uh, and other than these podcasts, uh, I'm really not on anything else, but um, I'll chat with anyone on there. So... Thank you. Yeah, definitely go give a give Danny a follow. Uh, that's at Scottish Juggalo. Um, we have so many fun conversations about the 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 videos he puts up, and yeah, he's uh, he's been doing the rounds on uh, on podcasts. So hopefully you'll you'll uh, hear uh, more from him because he's like I said, he's one of the the brighter sparks now in the in the wrestling community. He really kind of gets a uh, a lot of conversations flowing and really positive. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad we were able to do this and I'm, I'm glad you'll be able to uh, come on uh, a few more times over the next uh, uh, coming weeks. Uh, but yeah, essentially that is, that's all for this week's episode of, um, of a changing attitude. Uh, next week we'll be covering the, the raw after this, uh, this pay-per-view. So that's the, the 18th of November, 1996. Um, but before, uh, before that, go and give me a follow on, on Twitter at PodFatherMags. Follow my absent co-host at Ori the Draw and at Texas Gentleman. And definitely go and follow the, the, the network at Chairshot Media. Um, and go and check out all the, the amazing content on here. Far better content than, than I produce. Uh, guys like Bandwagon Nerds, DWR, uh, so much amazing content outside his edge. Um, very, very privileged to be part of this team. Uh, and whilst you're there, definitely go and check out the, the Pro Wrestling Tees uh, site for Chair Shot. Get some uh, amazing uh, um, content and uh, amazing uh, merchandise, especially coming up to Christmas. Get your loved one uh, a hashtag journalism or Chair Shot 316 shirt. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's all from us here. And remember that you must always use your head.
TheChairShot.com. Always use your head.